sometimes I wonder if my roommates can hear me talking sar- like like this sarcastically, like, you know, this is sarcasm. But then they're like, oh, shit, what what are we, what did <laughs> we get into here? Out of context. And they're like, do I live with a, a, a bigot? Do I live with a, do I live with a, 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 a Trumpy? I promise <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I promise. Howdy, howdy, folks, and welcome back to another episode of So Stereotypical, where us two media creators discuss LGBTQ plus issues, media, politics, and whatever else we feel like. I'm one of your hosts, Alexander Prevost. And I'm Noah Dayheim. And today we are going to be talking about the 2024 presidential election. We're going to be doing a bit of a deep dive into the current early stage of the nominations and the people throwing in their hats into the ring to see who will be challenging our potential incumbent, and I emphasis on potential, uh, incumbent uh, current president Joseph Biden. Um, and we wanted to start this ca- this episode with a caveat, um, and that we are doing this, uh, we're recording this a week before it gets published, and a lot of things are going to change in the next week. So information that is said in this episode might have changed drastically or like minorly in the next week or so uh, following its uh, publishing. So we just wanted to put that caveat out there that things are rapidly changing in the current political field. First, make sure to follow us on social media. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd at N-O-A-H-D-A-H-E-I-M. That is at Noah Dayheim. And you can follow me at Alexander Prevost on Instagram and Twitter at Alexander P-R-V-S-T, Alexander P-R-V-S-T. And make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at SoStereotypical underscore pod. Now, let's get into who is running... We're, we're, we're going to break it up into Republicans and Democrats. We're going to, of course, start with the Republican Party. Because that's our because, favorite topic. Uh, yay. Yay. Um, but also so, it's most newsworthy. Like, let's be it's honest. It's the most depressing as well. It, it, it's also, yeah. yeah, it's the most depressing. So <sighs> Republican Party has two people who have already put in their uh, bid for the 2024 presidential election. We have former president Donald Trump and the former South Carolina governor and United States ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, who is basically the Republican version of Marianne Williamson. Um, She's never going to win, but whatever, you know, you can always have fun. Who knows? We've said the exact same thing about (laughs) President Trump former President Trump in 2016, and look what happened. For all we know, this could be an Effie Trinket situation where the next thing you know, we nominate a weirdo, and they win, and suddenly everyone's wearing really tacky fashion. Who knows? Who's to say? Yeah. I, who's to say? Who, I don't know. Let's start with Trump, okay? Um, there are several people that are expected to put in their hat into the ring, uh, but... Already, uh, Trump announced on November 15th, which was very odd to announce that early. He had such low energy that night. When he was giving that speech, I was sitting down watching it. When he was giving his speech, it was so long and it was 
rambling on and on about nothing and he had literally no energy but here is the audio of trump announcing his presidency run for 2024 he stumbles over his own words as usual and really is making no sense so go ahead let's take a listen always have known that this was not the end it was only the beginning of our fight to rescue the american dream and it's a word you don't Use two words. I don't want to be Joe. It's two words. American dream. (laughs) That was not good what he did. There are a lot of bad things like going to Idaho and saying, welcome to the state of Florida. I really love it. (laughs) In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. Okay. I'm tired. I'm tired. Already, yeah. I'm tired. So there's a few really funny things that actually are happening in that video. First of all, people are trying to leave (laughs) the venue. People don't want to be there. But what happened was they shut and locked the doors, blocking the doors, hurting people in because the news cameras started seeing people leaving. And they were like, oh, this isn't a good look for Trump. So they literally herded people back to their seats. People were stuck in there until the end of his speech. And we all know his speeches. They go on and on and ramble forever. And it tea. is annoying as hell. Tea. Absolute tea. Also, got, gotta love how he takes a good old jab at Biden's stutter. I, I don't know why he always is making fun of that. He's saying oh this makes him less of a presidency less of a president less of a a a well-rounded human right he has a stutter just like me just like everybody else not everybody else but a lot of other people he has a stutter you know and then that's okay he has a stutter and it's some it's something that he struggled through most of his life and still struggles through today so and he's been very vocal about that and it's actually helped out with uh children who have stutters as well it's been a really cool thing but if this is setting the stage for the 2024 presidency if this is setting the stage for trump it's not a good stage he's standing on no not at all because he's he's starting he's setting the tone with such exhaustion and burnout and i know Mm -hmm. that like he has demonstrated a little bit of fire but it's not the same to the same fervor as it was in 2016 and i wonder if part of the reason why is because He's running this time more as a figurehead for a movement rather than the start of a movement. Because, like, we all know, like, a lot... And I've seen this take on Twitter so much in the last couple of weeks that's really kind of annoyed me. Whereas people have been saying, like, something bad happens, like, oh, like, the Don't Say Gay Bill or the Tennessee Drag Ban, which that just pissed me the fuck off. Like, I would see people online be like, oh, this is Trump's fault. I'm like, no, it's not Trump's fault. This is, Trump was a symptom of a larger problem, which was the growing resentment and uh, fear politics of the far right going mainstream, specifically to uphold white supremacist narratives and uh, other problematic systems of oppression against marginal communities yeah while trump was more of a figurehead and speaking like mouthpiece for that movement or like more of like a mouthpiece like set strong man for that movement in 2016 i wonder if the last four years like his this four years in office as well as the last two years in between has kind of really run him down and made him lack the energy he needs to sustain a campaign like that and i wonder if this time he's running because people are pressuring him to i wonder if that's the case 
I don't think so. I, okay. Because what do you think? People people have come out and said supporters for the past four to eight years of Trump have come out and said he needs to not run. He needs to True. not run. True. There there are people there are legislators who continue to say on the Republican Party he should not run. Okay. And those people are the people who are telling him straight up, hey, we need a new face. We need somebody else. You're no longer that guy. Yeah. So he's he's going and he's doing this on his own. He's doing this because he does not like to lose. We saw that in the 2020 election where he lost terribly. Yeah. But no, he didn't lose. It was stolen. Right. Because he can never lose. He can never lose. Oh, he didn't... He, he didn't lose the popular vote in 2016. That was all a hoax. He didn't lose the popular vote in 2020. That was all a hoax. He cannot lose. Right, exactly. Because I think that speaks to the level of entitlement that President Trump and a lot of similar or like mind-oriented, specifically like white cis males that like feel anxiety or feel entitled to some kind of power in society. That like speaks to the mentality that they have that like if they're denied their victory, that they are they were promised as these powerful individuals, then there must be something wrong with the system. Which I mean, yes, there is something wrong with the system, but not in the ways that you think. Not in the ways that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just really frustrating. And it's it's interesting because he's the kind of person that would claim, I mean, when he in that same speech, he said, America's comeback starts now. Your country is being destroyed before your eyes. But like that's just the same level of but like that's just the same level of fear politics that a lot of these right wing pundits are are like sell or doling out right now it's it's snake oil yeah. salesman shit it's not actually real because yes america's being is america being destroyed to an extent yeah but like not in the but again not in the ways that they're selling well what i find funny about that he's saying america is being destroyed before your eyes well his potential running mate margie taylor green oh, called bitch. for a national divorce between red states and blue states I and remember is calling for that. a civil war. I'm telling you, that's some and like what we're seeing right now on with that on top of Florida. I don't remember what the name of the bill was, but I, I saw it floating around on on the internet yesterday how the the lawmakers are trying to like propose a bill that would essentially outlaw the presence or like dissolve the presence of the democratic or like any kind of left-leaning opposition parties in the state of Florida that would essentially like if you are a registered democrat voter you would be like a no party voter from then on out if the bill was passed that's the same shit that like fascist like third reich germany did back in the like 1920s 1930s to stamp out any form of political opposition so seeing that coupled with marjorie taylor green is saying and what donald trump is saying yeah that shit's fucking scary like i yeah. I, I i hate to be the bearer of bad news but when people were saying that donald trump was a fascist it's true it's true. There's the evidence is right here in front of you and you're denying that. And I'm not saying like this to like get people scared or whip people up. But like when we look at the definition, the political definition of authoritarian fascism, fascism at its core is a political ideology that is designed to be an authoritarian, high government control, um, right wing perspective, dominating 
political systems from the state to local levels. And the most current example that we can think of in terms of our recent history in the last hundred or so years was fascist Germany and Italy, where there were notorious right-wing policies. Since the dawn of the two-party spectrum, the idea of like one different kind, like two different ends of the political spectrum, it has been consistently agreed throughout history that the end point of like the worst case scenario, the far right extreme example of right wing politics, conservative politics ends in fascism. That is historically always been the consensus. And to see that be platformed on the main stage is fucking terrifying. Like that should that should alarm people, but it doesn't. In fact, most people that I talk to that aren't even remotely involved in politics or are very indifferent to our political state or our current, like, even on the local level, are very much like, it's not that bad. It's not true. I think you're blowing up the situation. You don't know what you're talking about, which is like, yeah, that's really frustrating and really scary because when we live in a situation where we have people that are complacent or ignorant or willfully ignorant of the situation. That's how fascism wins in the end and how extremist politics win in the end. And I, and to be honest, I would, well, I do, while I do align myself with radical left-wing policies and do consider myself to be an anarcho-socialist, I also recognize that extreme leftist politics in me, in the government to the point where we are having these, authoritarian problematic systems placed in the favor of social justice are also equally problematic. I'm not saying that I'm saying extremist government and extremist politics in general are highly problematic. Have we seen a form of harmful leftist politics? Not to the same extent as right wing politics, but yes, we have in throughout history. So I'm going to, I'm going to play fair here and say that this is also an issue. However, in America right now, we are at a pivotal state where fascism is a lot more prevalent and a lot more dangerous than any form of left-wing extremism. In fact, it's a lot more popular and common and mainstream than left-wing extremism. So just like to point that out there. Okay, that was my really... Is that your second episode in a row going on your anarchist shit? Yes. Going back to your point real quick about the bill that they just introduced in Florida, that bill is called Senate Bill 1248. And the title of it is the ultimate cancel act (laughs) what yeah so may it wants to get rid of the registration of uh democrats any democrat registered in the state would automatically be re-registered as having no party affiliation um the democratic party officers could recognize but only under a substantially different name so i don't basically they're they just want to get rid of the title of democrat i whatever um they they keep saying we're the ones that are continuing to uh do cancel culture and we're the snowflakes i don't see that (laughs) I mean, as Lizzo, like, as Lizzo once said, the great, like, the great Lizzo once said, white people taking up cancel culture as a means is a form of cultural appropriation, because we all mm-hmm. know that the form of, if you if you're smart and you know your history even a little bit in the internet, you know that cancel culture was started 
by black women on Twitter during 2014 from and using a song, a phrase from a song, I can't remember off the top of my head, for, called Your Love is Cancelled. And that became the basis of modern ca- cancel culture, specifically as it pertains to R. Kelly. And it was predominantly used as a means to, you know, hold people of problematic um, power accountable for their actions and deplatform bad individuals like R. Kelly, like Harvey Weinstein. So, but as is inevitably seen, the language of the oppressed eventually becomes adopted by the oppressor and the cycle continues. Yep. So, Florida. Um, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Great, great transition over to Florida. Uh, Ron DeSantis, or uh, as Trump calls him, Ron DeSantimonious. I don't know what's sanctimonious about him. Okay. Or Meatball Ron is another Meatball uh, Ron. That's a good one. I like that. You know, (laughs) you know, maybe he is sanctimonious. You know, I'm sure his hole hasn't seen the light of day in a very long time. You know, he he seems like the I think we're officially banned (laughs) from the state of Florida. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> listen, listen, I listen, Ron DeSantis to me seems like one of those kinds of guys based on his politics and what he has said that he seems like one of those straight guys that believes that if you wipe down there, that makes you gay. Anyways, anywho, uh, Ron DeSantis has not made a official as of recording a official um, run uh, announcement yet. to run for president. Not yet. We, we have been seeing him go to a whole bunch of different states, including New York, where he's giving these... He's kind of on a book tour right now mm. that is mimicking a presidential rally. Anyways. The courage to be just, free. I, I, I believe it was yesterday. He released a weird ad that represents or kind of is identical to a presidential ad. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and take a listen to the first minute. Yes, there are multiple minutes of it, but just the first minute of his ad. It is quite odd. <laughs> when the world lost its mind, when common sense suddenly became an uncommon virtue, Florida was a refuge of sanity a citadel of freedom for our fellow Americans and even for people around the world. Ron DeSantis has decided to put his people first. Ron DeSantis taking a lot of heat over it, but he's not backing down. Florida's success has been made more difficult by the floundering federal establishment in Washington, D.C. An inflationary spending binge that has left our nation weaker and our citizens poor. It has enacted pandemic restrictions and mandates. It has recklessly facilitated open borders. It has imposed an energy policy that has crippled our nation's domestic production. This has caused many to be pessimistic about the country's future. Some even say that failure is inevitable. I won't keep it going because that is... It's just fear-based politics. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. It, there, it is. It, there it's is, fear-mongering. It's fear-mongering. There is, again. There is no semblance of civic grace in our national politics anymore. We are truly living out the real housewives of Washington, D.C. We are living out the reality of the real politicians of D.C. That's what this is. This is not... This is not about making people's lives better. This is not about 
enacting real, actual systemic change. This is about making entertainment. He is currently under investigation for human trafficking. Um, <laughs> what? This is news to Remember me. Remember when he when he took uh, literally busloads of immigrants and um, shipped them off to other cities. Yeah, shipped them off to New York. Uh, yeah, um, up to Martha's Vineyard, I believe. Yep, and. That that was all against their will. They had no idea where they were going, what they were doing. And, of course. Um, yeah, so he's actually currently under investigation for that. <laughs> and it's not looking too pretty for him. Karma's real. Um, Karma's real. Karma is real. And it's going to kick him in the ass. But I feel like if he runs for president and stuff, then a lot of, as we have seen in the past with Trump, with Hillary, with um bush with everyone if you're under investigation and you run for presidency odds are they're just going to forget you did anything so listen donald trump is a known sexual predator and he still won the presidency so yeah i have no faith i have no faith in vigilante justice i do think ron DeSantis. there is a strong potential for him running um I think if he runs, that's going to split the Republican Party's vote down the middle because I think specifically the increasing majority of right, like of like far right to borderline alt-right fascist politicians because Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are seen as two massive figureheads for that movement. And it will be pretty much a war of attrition like this like very uphill slow battle between you know the difference between yeah. like crimson and scarlet you know it's all red at the end of the day it's just a matter of which one you like better and that's going to be hard because on the one hand DeSantis is a lot more politically versed and is arguably more dangerous because he knows how to use the system to his advantage and he's been doing it very effectively in the state of Florida with little opposition whereas Trump is very is very charismatic and knows how to whip an audience up into a fervor. It was very effective. It was extremely effective back in 2016. That's how he won the election. So I think I think it's going to be tough. And whether or not I think a lot of the success of far right politicians in 2024 is very contingent on how DeSantis is going yeah. to play his cards. And uh, looking at 538 polls right now, no matter what, Biden pulls the lead uh, for 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 literally all of them, even though it's just by <laughs> a couple percentage points. Um, they still is pulling the lead. So we'll see. And then you have Trump and uh DeSantis in a almost neck and neck tie for getting the ca- the uh candidacy. So um another person to kind of throw out there. I right. this one's kind of an odd one, but I don't know. Mike Pence possibly running. I don't know if he would get a lot of any portion of the vote only because um we all remember that chant on January 6th, uh, hang Mike Pence. That was everywhere. And 
uh, the Republican Party is still not forgiving Mike Pence for not handing over the election to Trump. So that one's a little, I don't know, a little iffy. Uh, We do have uh, some audio of what his thoughts are for a possible um, presidential bid. Are Republicans afraid of former President Trump to take him on? Are you afraid of taking on former President Trump? If you say you're going to take months now to listen. You know, the only thing we've decided for sure is that uh, we weren't going to let anybody else make our decision for us. That's really it. (laughs) That is all he really has been saying. We are not going to let anyone else make the decision for us. We're going to make the decision ourselves. So will Mike Pence run? I don't know. That's all kind of up in the air. He's been giving hints left and right that he's going to. But the thing is, I'm sorry to say it, he's a coward. And we saw that in all of 2016 to 2020. He is a coward. He will most likely not go up against his former boss. Because who knows what Trump has on Pence. Trump Trump runs the presidency kind of like a mafia boss where it's, ooh, I, ha- I have stuff on you, even though he doesn't necessarily. But who knows? Who knows what, what's going to be in store? And then, yeah, like we said, Nikki Haley is also uh, threw her hat in the ring. We all saw it coming. It's Nikki Haley. Okay. Um, that's all there really is to it. It'd be like, oh, Nikki Haley. (laughs) All right, moving on. (laughs) So, um, yeah, those are the, those are the top Republican, uh, candidates so far. Um, once again, Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence have not, as of recording this, have not made their official decisions yet. Uh, with Ron DeSantis releasing that video yesterday, I feel like he will probably be re- be announcing something maybe this weekend, maybe coming up here soon. We'll see. So going into who knows who's the Democrats? Uh, not a lot to talk about here. <laughs> oh, Marianne Mary- Williamson. Good old Marianne. And we her we do have to talk about Marianne. Books. We have to talk about Marianne. She announced on February 23rd that she was going to be running for the Democratic position, which I'm a little confused by because, baby, you're going to get squashed like a bug. Um, and she said, she said, quote, I am not putting myself through this again just to add to the conversation. I'm running for president to bring an aberrational chapter of our history to a close and to help bring forth a new beginning. <laughs> to which I say, baby, baby, get in line. You and every other, you and every other Joe Biden, you know, get in line. There's a lot of people like you that are going to be doing that. And whether or not Joe Biden runs, you know, we don't know for sure. He hasn't made a formal bid yet. What do you think, Noah? Do you think Noah's going to, or not, do you think Noah's going to run? Noah, are you going to run for presidency? Um, but do you, do you think Joe's going to run? Do you think good, do you think good old Joe's going to run? We can't talk about what do you think? Joe Biden without bringing up the age factor. Okay. Oh yeah. And I know he gets very angry uh, that that is something that is brought up. He's like, "Oh, look, see how spry I am." He's out running, running up onto stages and stuff like that. And it's not convincing. I- I'm just saying we need age limits in our country to run 
important stuff like this, to run the presidency, to be in the Senate, to be in the House. I think that there should be age limits because these are very important roles that if you, the, you, you can be in your 80s and you can be very spry and you can be right on beat and all of that. But then also stuff comes out of the blue. Sickness comes out of the blue. Injury comes out of the blue. A recent Yahoo News poll said that 68% of voters say that Biden is too old for another term. He would be approaching 86 years old by the end of his second term. So will he run again? I don't know. I feel like he, I feel like if he does, that's going to be a big issue for the Republic, for the Democratic Party, because I don't know how we could stand united with him because there are so many people that don't want to see him run another term. He said when he was running in 2020, he said, I'm going to be a one-term president. I am a transition president. I'm going to transition us to a new beginning. Just like what Marianne Williamson is saying, transition to a new beginning, a new start. That's what all presidential candidates say but it's it's just like running for like student class president right like it's the it's the same it's that same bullshit of like here's my promises here's my platform and then at the end of the day they get like roped in and realize that the system itself is like way bigger than them and it's a lot more complicated and you're just a figurehead and like yeah and that's no disrespect to like student body presidents you know i'm sure that like you know you work very hard and do that shit whatever but i think i i think at the end of the day I mean, I remember this, like, happening when Biden first got elected. A lot of people were speculating that Biden, because of his age and his ailing health, a lot of people were speculating, oh, you know, I think Biden's going to step down after his second year in office, and then Kamala's going to take over so that Kamala could have 10 years in office. So speaking of Kamala, uh, if Biden decides not to run for 2024, who 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 will be the front runners there? Um, Kamala Harris is definitely one of them. She has gotten a whole bunch of backlash, and she doesn't have the best <laughs> poll numbers. But hey, that it is what it is. Um, no, it is what it is. Yeah, we can uh, we can thank racism and sexism for that as well. You know, that's yeah. a factor as well. Um, Pete Buttigieg, uh, he's current uh, Secretary of Transportation. So, I, especially going on with what's happening in Ohio right now, I don't know if that's really going a good to a bite. Yeah. No, he's not. He's kind of fucked. <laughs> yeah. So other people are talking about possibly uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Oh, now that Ka- Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis, that is like RuPaul's Drag Race I level. I would like. love that debate. I want to see that. Not because I think anything productive would happen, but because I would love to see how petty it would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. (laughs) So everything is up in the air right now. And this is our first episode in this series talking about the 2024 election. So we, of course, are going to like come back to this as stuff updates, as there's changes and everything. Um because we're going to be following the whole 2024 election all the way through. So I and think I it's important now to kind of talk about the platforms, uh, right. briefly talk about the platforms. Um, do you want to talk about the, uh, 
the Ron DeSantis platform that the woke agenda. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's important for all of us to know that like based on like the current cultural zeitgeist of our political sociopolitical conversations, two of the biggest platforms that are going to be talked about in the media, not necessarily as like effective like economic policy conversations, but like ways to mobilize voter bases and to pick like scapegoats for issues is like the way that like the current Republican Party conversation is centering around two topics. LGBTQ plus rights and critical race theory. Now, in Florida, Ron DeSantis has made an effort of centering this conversation around the quote-unquote Stop Woke Act or the Don't Say Gay Bill, but woke in the in the name of the bill symbolizing, you know, W-O-K-E, wrongs to our, I don't know where the T came from. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Um, but uh, the Watoke Act, I guess, but um, wrongs like to our uh, kids and employees, basically, which is weird. You know, okay, cool, sure. Um, but also, like, focusing on, like, anti-LGBTQ plus policy, like, banning gender-affirming care for people under the age of 18, which is problematic in many ways, um, banning the use of um, queer conversations in classrooms, sexuality conversations, gender conversations, banning books, which, I mean, again, getting scarily close to fascist forms of rhetoric and policy making um and then crt which i mean as someone i would like to um also just plug this again i currently am studying and have studied critical race perspectives in my major and minor this is a field of study that i am studying currently and have studied critical race theory is a graduate level theory that is taught at universities, not in call in like pre-K, not in public schools. That is not possible. You can bring critical race perspectives and be aware of things, but critical race theory is not taught to high schoolers. I haven't learned it yet. I've learned about critical race perspectives and critical race understandings but I have not, as a student of critical race and ethnic studies, have not learned about critical race theory. I would just like to put that out there because it irks me to no end that a lot of these right-wing pundits like Donald Trump, like Ron DeSantis, have these big boogie words, but don't actually have clear definitions for what they're arguing for. And that's the biggest fundamental flaw in their arguments, is that they're not defining these terms. Woke critical race theory anti-queer like what does that all mean you don't have a definition for your argument and therefore it is moot and anyone with two semblances of critical like critical thinking skills can easily pick that apart yeah so so i just want to point that out there rant over that that is uh gonna be ron desantis's platform uh stopping the woke agenda on our kids that is mainly that's it. That that that's all that he wants to focus on. Uh, Trump, uh, on the other hand, actually kind of hand in hand with uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, Trump is running on "Make America Great Again, Again, uh, Megaga," and Magaga, 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 Magaga. Um, <laughs> And he has the idea of uh, getting rid of trans identities and banning homosexuality. And last month, uh, he released a 
one of his truth social videos about trans identities and gender as a whole. Let's go ahead and listen to that real quick because this is a big part of his 2024 uh, presidential run. As part of our new credentialing body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. The bill will also make clear that Title IX prohibits men from participating in women's sports, and we will protect the rights of parents from being forced to allow their minor child to assume a gender which is new and an identity without the parent's consent. The identity will not be new, and it will not be without parental consent. No serious country should be telling its children that they were born with the wrong gender, a concept that was never heard of in all of human history. Nobody's ever heard of this, what's happening today. It was all when the radical left invented it just a few years ago. Under my leadership, this madness will end. Thank you very much. He's so obviously reading a teleprompter in and, and all of his shit. <laughs> like, he can't speak without a teleprompter. And let's be real here. Like, if you know human history, you know for a fact that queer and trans people have been around forever. And one of the one of the most frustrating things that I've come to recognize as a form of white supremacy in, our, in the United States is the erasure of the history of third gender or non-traditional or non-binary identities outside of mm-hmm. white culture. Because, yeah. sure... European people might have only traditionally recognized two genders. But if you're involved in any kind of LGBTQ liberation north of the border in Canada, a lot of that does center around recognizing and honoring tribal two-spirit identities. That's a huge thing in Canadian culture, is recognizing those cultures and those identities. Human history has always had other expressions of gender identity. It has always been a thing. I think... Has it gained popularity in our politics recently? Yes, absolutely it has. So when Jeffrey Star, I'm gonna call I'm gonna bring this up. When Jeffrey Star goes on a podcast and says the they and them and all the extra shit that people invented when they were quote unquote bored during the pandemic is simply a complete misunderstanding of history. Like that is categorically false. Like yeah. it's all fascist rhetoric. It's yeah. the it's the same scapegoat shit that was used. It's It's fear-mongering. And I know I bring that up a lot on this podcast, but that is really what the right wing goes off of is fear-mongering. But hey, the left does it as well. Um, So Biden, what what is he going to run off of? Well, he didn't complete all of the promises that he said he was going to within his first two years. He threw a lot of promises out there. And hey, Democrats are kind of mad about it. Um he will run off the idea of making abortion legal again, like across uh, the U.S. and to protect our basic fundamental God-given rights, protecting from the far-right ideology um, of removing rights. Uh, So I don't know. He's going to probably bring up uh, queerness in some sort of way because that is what the right wing is 
running off of for 2024. Um, it's literally in the Republicans uh, guidebook in Texas that homosexuality is abnormal and it needs to be um, taken care of. So I don't know. Uh, it, it's all kind of up in the air. So let's get into our takeaways. My takeaway personally is that more likely than not, Trump will get the Republican nomination only because the more Republicans that run, that splits the vote even further apart. Agreed. So he doesn't need to get the popular vote by any stretch of the imagination. He just needs to get the... He just right. needs to get the majority. Right. The majority compared to all of the other... It, this is what happened with the Democrats in... 2020 this is what happened with the republicans in 2016 when you have so many people running that splits the vote across the whole board so what i think we need to do is get ranked choice voting put in place but that's never going to happen because that means that a lot of people are going to lose their jobs uh and right and oh oh my god people are going to get properly represented <laughs> god yeah. forbid God forbid that people get represented and that you, the, the the very rapidly diminishing majority, because as we know, you know, a lot of studies have shown that by 2024, by the 2040s, 2050s, white people are going to become the minority race in the United States. So God forbid that you try to hold on to that power for as long as possible, asshole. What's your, what's your takeaway, Alexander, from, from this conversation today? I... I love that we're having this conversation. I love that we're talking about these politicians and that we're keeping people informed on our national politics. But I would also, I think you've expressed everything that I could say and better and more better. I would also like to add the nuance to the conversation at the end that it is a privilege to be involved in politics. It is a yeah. privilege thing to be aware and informed. A lot of people don't have that. So while it is important, so for our listeners who are probably you know, at least to some extent college educated and have privilege to watch the news and be aware and informed. That's great and all. But I also want to encourage people to stay involved in local politics, their city politics, and stay informed of what happening what's happening on the local level. Exactly. Because while a lot I think a lot of the issue that we're seeing with people being like, oh I didn't vote. I don't feel like my vote matters. That's not true. On the national level, your vote is a drop in the bucket, sure. But your vote does matter when it comes to city ordinances, to mutual aid work and assisting your community members and yeah. people on the streets and your in your city and your town. There are so many things that you can do to help make your city, your community, your immediate community a better place. And I want people to be more involved in what's happening around them now rather than just what's going on at the national level because you can use your city and your voice at the local level to be a catalyst for change and be the blueprint for other people around you to make their places a better place. Community organizing is so important. And while federalism makes it much more difficult for your vote to matter on the state and national level, you can do so much with your immediate city community. So stay involved in grassroots organizations, stay involved in your local community, your local government, and be involved there just as much as you are on the national level. Because it's great to do canvassing for, you know, Marianne Williamson at all, but it is even yeah. better to do canvassing and, and important work on the local level. Yeah. So that's what I want to I want to remind people about that. Exactly. I couldn't have said it any better myself. 
Well, Alexander and I want to say thank you to uh, everyone for tuning into this podcast because we just surpassed our 700 follower mark for this. Wow, super fun. Uh, In the past 30 days, we increased our follower count by 200. So that is amazing. Keep it up, everyone. Keep sharing this podcast. Tune in whenever you can. Remember to follow our socials. Everything is linked down below. Love you, Alexander. I love you too, Noah. Catch y'all next week.